Miss Jackie sent me a, uh, a message, uh, not, I guess, week before last, I guess. She sent it to me through email, and, and I was watching uh, it on YouTube. And uh, I was listening to the preacher preach, and when he was, began his message, he was talking about his grandmother. And his grandmother was a, a, a godly woman loved the Lord, and uh, she'd been faithful in church for all of her life. And uh, she was one of these who marked up her Bible, you know, and every time a message was preached, uh, she would write down who wrote, you know, who preached that message and the title of it in the text that was given. And uh, I always appreciate when people do that. I've never done that, uh, but I'll be honest with you, uh, when I got saved, uh, B.J., I couldn't remember, I knew, I knew it was on a Thursday of revival, and I couldn't remember the date, and I always wanted to know the date. People would say, I got saved on such and such date, and I couldn't say that. I just said, I got saved on a Thursday in the summer, and I knew about my age, and uh, years later, I was pastoring my first church, and uh, there, was a, there was a couple in my church who, who's... A pastor back in that time in 1982 was preaching our church's revival. And they just happened to be at the revival that week. And she would write down when he preached this message on the date that he preached it and where he preached it at. And the Lord gave me my answer. He, he, he helped me out because somebody did. I mentioned that and she says, you know, I probably was there during that meeting. And she went back and looked. And sure enough, and we went back to see which day was a Thursday, and it was July 29th, 1982. What an answered prayer that was. That was a blessing to me. God didn't have to do that, but I want to know what my birthday was. That was a special thing. Well, he was talking about his grandmother, and one day she called him, and she said, she said, son, what happened to Obadiah? And he was trying to figure out, Obadiah who? Who who?" And, and immediately he started thinking, do I have a relative named Obadiah that I'm not aware of? And, and it just kind of, you know, he just kind of uh, was trying to figure out what her angle was. And finally he just said, Grandma, Obadiah who? Who are you talking about? And she says, I'm talking about Obadiah in the Bible. She says, what happened to him? And he says, what do you mean? Why are you asking this? And she says, well, I've been going through my Bible and all the years that I've, been in ministry, that I've been in church, I don't have one message from the book of Obadiah. Not one message. And I tell you that for this reason. It's the desire of my heart to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen? And I plan on doing this for a long time. So if you'll stick with me, eventually we'll make it to the book of Obadiah. Right now we're journeying through the book of Joshua. And we're also journeying through the book of Acts. And sometimes because of needs and really the Lord's leading, sometimes we'll move away from that and I'll deal with something else. But we've been coming through the book of Joshua. And preaching the way that I preach, it forces you to deal with texts that probably I would just move on past. Um and preach something else. And Joshua chapter 9, to me, is probably one of those chapters. 
But I want us to look, begin reading in verse number 1. We'll try to make it through the entire chapter um, as we get through the message. But really just to give you an idea of uh, the context of this passage. We're going to read from verse 1 and we'll read a few verses. And it came to Let's all stand together if you would with me. And read along silently with me. Joshua 9, verse 1, And it came to pass, when all the kings which were on this side Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua and to the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a league with us. Father, I pray this morning that you will bless your word. Open our hearts to it. There are some principles in it, Lord, that will be a great help to us this morning. And I just pray for your direction. I pray for your Holy Spirit to do, Lord, what is beyond myself. And just bless the time that we have together now in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been looking at Israel's journey under the leadership of Joshua, how they have crossed the River Jordan and have finally, after 40 years of wandering, finally made it over into the promised land or Canaan's land. They'd made that journey and they went up to Jericho and they wiped out Jericho and God's miracle of how they just marched around it uh, one time a day for six days and on the seventh day they went around it seven times and then they shouted and the walls came tumbling down. They won the great victory. We've looked at Achan and his sin and how he... How he hid what he had done. He had taken a Babylonian garment. He had taken it unto himself and he brought it back to his tent and he hid it in his house and his thinking was if no one else knew anything about it that I was okay. I could enjoy it in the own privacy of my life. But God knew what he had done and God explicitly had said in his word, do not do this, but Achan did it anyways. And the result is they went up to Ai, a small little town, nothing like Jericho, nothing mighty. It should have been easily defeated. But they went up without the blessing of God. And they tried to just, they, they had their own military, uh, their own military strategic plan. And they went up there and they got defeated. They got embarrassed. It's because they, the Lord realized, the Lord had revealed to them. That he's not going to bless sin. He's not going to bless unholiness. 
He's not just going to let us get by and us do what we want to do and just expect God's blessing upon it. So God dealt with Achan. The people of Israel did as well. And, and after that, the Lord says, okay, now go up. And he gave them his plan of how they were supposed to do it. And they went up and they won the battle. And so the news just continued to spread. I mean, without, without social media, without cell phones without the internet, without local news. I mean, the news just continued to spread about all that God was doing for his people and through his people. They had all heard in the past of how they'd crossed the Red Sea and what God had done to the Egyptian army. They had already heard about how they had defeated the kings on that side, Sihon and Bashan. They had already heard about what God had did for them there. And then they had heard of how they crossed over the River Jordan on dry ground. And, and then they had heard what had happened to Jericho and what had happened to Ai. And people hear the victories that God gives us, whether we're testifying them or someone else is speaking of them. The world takes note of when God is doing big things. He takes note of what God is doing in your life. The world notices that. The devil notices that. And it gets their attention. And so all of the kings begin to make a league here in Joshua 9. And they decide, we got to do something about this. And so they begin to unite rather than just be taken off one city at a time. They begin to unite themselves and decide that they're going to fight together. Now let me say this before we go forward. God had given Israel that land because he had done so even with, in the days of Abraham when he brought him from his country to this land. And then they had made their way down to Egypt during the famine in Joshua's day. And now God was bringing them back. And the people who lived there did not worship God. They, they worshiped paganism. They were contrary to everything that, that the God of the Bible stands for and who he is. They were contrary to that, and they would fight against him. They were the enemies of God. And so God led his people back to his land, their land, and he blessed them in that. So before we go any further, let me say this. Be sure you're not an enemy of God. Be sure you're not fighting against God, but instead are on God's side. And in this day and time, the only way you can do that is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That if you, you receive God by receiving his son who gave himself for our sins that we might have life with him, a relationship with him, and peace with him. Whatever league you make, make sure it's with the Lord. Well, the Gibeonites, they're also referred to as Hivites. They're of the descendants of Canaan who was cursed. And those, they were, as we look through the Bible, they're not really a fighting people. 
they, they're, they're not warriors. They're not one who are quick to take up arms. And so they devise their own way of trying to get through this. How can we, how can we still stand against God and yet survive? So they're very strategic. And so they, they come, and we'll read it again in verse number 3. They, they, they come unto Joshua, it says in verse 3, and the, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wilily. Okay? Wilily. The Bible talks about the wiles of the devil. Satan is very wily. Who else is wily? Wily Coyote's pretty wily, isn't he? Right? means they're very strategic. They, they're very secretive. They, they find a way to manipulate a situation for their best interest. And so they, they come together with, they gather them, or verse number four, they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors. Okay? They, they made themselves as representatives of a far country, their, their country. And they took with them old sacks upon their asses. They took wine bottles that were old and rent and bound up. They took old shoes, they wore old shoes and clouded them upon their feet, which means they patched them up. They were worn out shoes that they patched up to just uh, look very old, look very poor, look very worn out. And, then, and old garments upon them. In verse number 5, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. None of it was any good. And they went to Joshua under the camp at Gilgal, and they said unto him, this was their reasoning, they said, we be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure you dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, Well, we are thy servants. We are, we are humbly yours. How can we be a help to you? How can we be a... We've traveled this long journey because we recognize who you are and we want to be a help to you. We want to... Be your servants. And it says, and Joshua said unto them, Well, who are you? And from whence come you? Where where are you from? And they said unto him, verse 9, Come from a far country. Thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Eshbon, and, and to Og, king of Bashan, and which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals, take, take this food with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. 
This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now behold it is dry and it's moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new and behold they be rent. And these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. They had it, I mean they were great liars. Great deceivers. They, they thought it all the way through. They thought of their, their shoes, their, their clothes, their food. Oh, when we, when we left, Steve, when we left, this food was hot out of the oven. We were, we were bringing you fresh-baked bread. But it took us so long to get here. We've traveled so hard and so long just to be your servants and be a help to you. We have, we have suffered greatly. And this is the bread that we have brought to you. Dry and moldy bread. And look at the next verse. It says in verse 14, And the men took of their victuals, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They listened to their story, and they took their dry and moldy bread. Those people didn't bring anything to them that was worth anything. Had no value. But Joshua and Israel didn't seek the counsel of the Lord. They just willingly took their bread. Oh, you're so kind. You're so flattering. You're such a blessing. What a, what a, what a joy it is for me to meet you. We have to be careful in our daily life of who we unite with. We have to be careful who we associate with. We have to be careful in the decisions we make if we just, we're thinking we're getting something wonderful. We're thinking we're getting a blessing out of this. But all we're really doing is getting tricked. And what it does is it has an impact on our relationship with the Lord. But we're so eager to please. We're so eager to be happy with people. We're so eager to take what people offer. And we just assume, well, I mean, let me just be a blessing here. And, and I don't even have to talk to the Lord about this. My point is this. We have to get to a place where we're seeking the Lord's counsel about everything in our life. We're not careful we don't do that. We just listen to someone's story. And what, what we're finding here is this. We're not finding seekers here. We're not finding a people who are really seeking the Lord and wanting to draw nigh to Him. We're finding a group of people who just want to survive the day. But their life is not given to God. I think about this. I think about the number of people who think that if they just attend church, that everything's going to be right with them and the Lord. 
That's a good step. That's a good step. But until you really begin that relationship and desire that relationship, nothing in your life is ever going to change. You're always going to be the same person. And you can try to manipulate the situation and get everyone to think that you're a good individual and you're a kind individual and you're really wanting to do things for the right reason. But God knows your heart. And you cannot pretend. You can get by with some things, Justin. You can get by with some things with Joshua and Israel. And you can get by some things with Pastor Clemens and, and Somerville Baptist Church. But you're not going to get by with anything with the Lord. I'm thinking about the Hivites here. And I think about Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot was a resident of Jericho. And Joshua had sent two spies to seek it out and, and uh, they were discovered. They weren't very good spies. They were discovered about as quick as they got to Jericho. And Rahab realized who they were and she hid them. And eventually she told them, listen, your God is God. And our nation and our land is troubled because of who your, who your God is. And so she begs them when they come to deliver her. And she put her faith and trust in the Lord and began a relationship with a people that wasn't hers and a people that really everyone else and around her probably despised. But her and her family were saved because of her faith in who God is. And she wanted a relationship with that guy. And as a result, she's even mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Her life was completely changed. But these wanted, these wanted to draw near. They didn't talk about the greatness of God. They made up a story just so that they could survive the day. It's more than just going to church. Or it's more than just saying... You know what, I recognize I'm in trouble and I recognize that God is God. It's more than that. It's getting to a place that we realize that what separates us from God Almighty is the sin that's in our life. And I'm not going to pretend about that. I'm not going to hide that any longer. And I recognize this, that apart from Jesus Christ... I am eternally separated from God and there is no hope for me. There is no hope for me. And you can attend a church and you can put a front on and you can pretend and you can do all of those things and you can get by and you can survive. But inwardly you know there is no hope for me. It's only in Christ. And even as believers, we get ourselves in some difficult situations because we unite with unbelievers. We know the saying, right? It can't happen to you if you're not there. But we'll, we'll, just, 
we'll just put it off and think that it's no big deal. And so we'll just get associated in something that we know we shouldn't be a part of. We know that, but it's okay because they're good people. And we get ourselves in a bad situation. Or we get a job promotion offered or another job somewhere else. And I've seen this happen many times. Good Christian people take a job offer to another part of the country and never find a good church that they just left. And their family gets out of church and their kids are out of church and away from the Lord. And the, and the re results of that is because they, they saw the dollar signs or they saw the opportunity or their pride, their ego wanted more for themselves. And the result of that is they, they hurt themselves because they never sought God. They just decided, well, I'm going to take some of those victuals. I'm going to take some of that bread. It's dry and moldy. It has no value for me whatsoever, but I'm going to take it because someone was kind enough to offer it to me. He goes on, verse 15, And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made a league with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they dwelt among them. It didn't take long after the fact that the truth came out. Three days. They act like they traveled from a far country. Really, it only took a few days to get to where they were. And the children of Israel, in verse 17, journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Shephirah and Beroth and Kirjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. They, couldn't they lied to them, but they couldn't touch them. Why? Because they swore by the name of God. And they could not go back on God. And the people recognized this. And the people began to murmur against the princes. And verse 19, And all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation as the princes had promised. We can't, we can't, we've done made a commitment here. We've done made a vow here. Are you with me? We've done made a vow here before the Lord God. You know, in, in counseling, let me just say this. In counseling, I would never encourage a man and a woman to get married if both of them don't, aren't believers. I would never encourage that. Never encourage that. I would never encourage that. But if you've made that decision, you've made a vow before God. You don't go back on that. They can't go back on the oath that they made before the Lord with these people. Later on, King Saul tries to go back on it and kills many of the Gibeonites and he paid dearly for it as did his children. You can't go back on the word of God. 
but you get yourself in a situation. You can't change. You've, you've gotten here, and you can't change it. So you've got to make the best of it. And so Joshua says, we're not going to go back on them, but we're going to make them serve us. And they're going to cut the wood, and they're going to draw the water. And let's wrap it up. He gets down, verse 22, And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell among us. Why, why did you deceive us? Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told that thy servants, how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now behold, we are in thine hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee, do unto us, do. And so did he unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood, and drawers of water for the congregation, and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day in this place, which he should choose. Next week you get to chapter 10, and we'll see how the promise that they had from Joshua, how it helped them in their battles ahead. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with this thought. In everything, seek the Lord's direction. Seek the Lord's counsel. It's better to know that God says no before you get in it and find out that God said no. It's better, it's better to not deal with a mess than get all in and have to deal with a mess. Seek the Lord's counsel. Seek the Lord's direction. Pray about it. Ask God's leadership in your life. And don't just go gung-ho into something and say, Man, I cannot wait. Because it may not be what you thought it was. And so many times... People's lives are wrecked because they saw something without talking to the Lord and really getting in the Word of God and finding God's, what God had to say about it. And then years later, they find themselves in a mess that they cannot get out of. But they realize now it wasn't what they thought. Let's bow our heads this morning.